Welcome once again, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anybody interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work they do right here in Iowa. We are back for season two of Iowa Innovation, powered by Nuboco and sponsored by Nymaster Good, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship about what they do and how they do it, and see if any of their lessons can translate to what all of you do. I'm your co-host and still not a doctor, Rob Merritt, and uh, my guest co-host today is actually one of my fellow uh, co-workers at Nuboco. Uh, super excited to have him on because I believe he has a podcast of his own, so uh, he's no stranger to this kind of work. Uh, but please say hello to Mike Heaton. Hey, everybody. Hey, Rob. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm the Director of Development at Nuboco. Uh, what that means is basically I do the fundraising essentially. So you all hear over and over again uh, about Nine Master Good on this podcast and how great they are and how they help all of our small businesses and entrepreneurs get started up and with all their legal issues. I get to build those opportunities for companies like that. So we do all this work in entrepreneurship and tech education and innovation, and we have companies out there across the state of Iowa that want to see that grow and want to see our industries grow uh, in those spaces. And so they sponsor things like this podcast. They sponsor EntreFest, which we've talked about previously on the show, as well as all of our other incredible tech education, innovation, and uh, entrepreneurial programming. Well, yeah, well, basically, you went to Nine Master Good and, and convinced them that this podcast was was worth supporting, and uh, and that made our first season possible. So, yeah. so we were hugely appreciative to them, but also hugely appreciative to you, because you made that possible for us. It's easy. I'll be honest. We have a lot of incredible companies across the, the state of Iowa that want to see the tech industry especially grow here. And uh, they're looking for ways to help support that that process and that sort of creating that foundation uh, in Iowa on that. So it's really easy to do. People want to support this stuff. And um, this podcast is a, is a great example of that. Well, uh, Mike and I right now, we are in the studio, but we are shortly going to be heading out to interview our guest uh, in front of a live audience at One Million Cups here in Cedar Rapids. And our guest, uh, we're actually really, really excited to have her. Um, Kaylee Williams is, uh, she's based in Des Moines, but uh, she's got an incredible track record. Uh, Mike, you want to talk a little bit about Kaylee? Because you uh, you kind of have a... You kind of have a personal connection there. I do, actually. Kaylee is my sister. Uh, you've had a couple of my relatives on the show in, in the first season, actually, and uh, Kaylee would be the third. Uh, we had Rob Williams on last season, as well as uh, Mo Collins. Uh, Kaylee is, is I'm not going to say I have favorites by any means, but Kaylee is one of those up-and-coming entrepreneurs that have really established herself as a leader in the, in the tech space and entrepreneurship space in Iowa and I think is uh, has big things ahead of her in the future. Well, and I think Kaylee spoke at EntreFest uh, yeah. a few years ago, so a lot of Cedar Rapids audiences would be familiar right. with, with what she's done. But, uh, but we can't wait to chat with her, so let's head on out and say hi to the One Million Cups audience. Uh, I'm really excited about this. We haven't ever done uh, an Iowa Innovation Podcast in front of an audience before, so I'm not sure how this is going to go. I love how you brought me in to be your, your co-host for the very first time in front of an audience, so thank you for that, Rob. I, I think that people perform best when uh, they're under pressure. You know, you don't have a chance to second guess yourself. You just go for it. Says the uh, well-known actor from Eastern Iowa. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, you know, the actor part of that is true. You know, the first half, no, not the so well-known. Much true. No, 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 that's, that's not so much true. But uh, yeah, anyway, so let's go chat with Kaylee, and uh, this should be a great conversation. Looking forward to it. So, Rob, I'm really excited 
to let you know that Nye Master Good is once again sponsoring this podcast. As you know, they're Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. And Nye Master's cutting-edge positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than 100 years. And they've also really helped this podcast succeed. They've been a sponsor of ours ever since the very first episode, and you're a big part of that, Mike. You know, it was funny. When I first sat down with Ryan Carter, who does patent law over at Nine Master, we were just talking about how can their their firm support our work. And, you know, he start, talks about what he does and patent law and all the different businesses he's worked with, and it would seem like such an obvious connection for Nuboco because we start so many companies, they have so many ideas, so many things come out of it. And the idea of starting a podcast and sponsoring that and being the presenting sponsor, especially for them, just seemed like the perfect fit for us. Well, the truth is there's a lot of different areas that they're able to help people, not just us. I mean, they've got more than 70 different practice areas. They've got attorneys with expertise in all areas of the law, including corporate structure, uh, capital raising, uh, intellectual property protection, uh, tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law. I mean, the list just goes on and on. There's a lot that they do. Yeah, I'm not sure what they don't do at this point. Exactly. They're a big firm. And and uh, and podcast support. That's, yeah, podcast that's a big support. Part too. Yeah, I love that. Visit nymaster.com. That's n y e master.com to learn what Nymaster Good can do for you. All right. So now we get to the main event. So we get to see season 2 of Iowa Innovation Podcast powered by Nuboco launched right here on this very stage. And so I am gonna bring up our power host, right? Is that a good, I don't know. I come up with all kinds of fun names for you. Um, so Rob, the wonder host, is gonna come on up. So everybody on your feet, please. Rob the Wonder Host? Is this like Wonder Pets kind of thing? <laughs> so actually, so Jennifer and I, uh, we co-hosted season one of the Iowa Innovation Podcast, and we had a wonderful time doing it. We have changed up the format a little bit for season two. We have such a great roster of people on staff at Nubico who are experts in a variety of different areas. And so as the season goes on, we're going to have a rotating pair of guests from Nubico hosting each episode, uh, focusing, for example, on guests from education, uh, from the entrepreneurial world. And so each time we have those conversations, we'll find somebody on the team who is the most qualified to really speak to that conversation. And so we're really excited about that. But this is going to be the premiere. And so I am thrilled to welcome up my co-host for this episode. Uh, you all know him. You all love him. And uh, hopefully you all help him raise money. Uh, Mike Heaton. Now. Oh. 
Thank you, Rob. You're you betcha. Awesome. You got a way better applause than I had, though. Well, that's because I'm the wonder You're host. You. You're you. I get it. I get it. You have to find a wonder pet name, and then everyone will applaud you. See, I don't even remember wonder pets. I think my kids were too old for wonder pets, but you get to experience the whole thing with your newborn. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, man. Good luck. Oh, At least you don't have Teletubbies. So much children's programming is in my future. <laughs> so I have the wonderful honor of introducing... Uh, probably one of the most incredible entrepreneurs in the state of Iowa. I'm a little biased, but you'll find out why in a bit. Her name is Kaylee Williams. Don't clap yet. She is the newly minted investment director. I'm going to look up the name of this. I'm super excited. The newly minted investment director of the new Iowa Venture Capital Co-Investment Fund. This is a $30 million public fund allocated primarily for seed and Series A financing right here in the state of Iowa. She's also, in general, an entrepreneur and business strategist for early stage startup companies. She cut her teeth as the president of Volunteer Local. I know a lot of people have heard of Volunteer Local based out of Des Moines, and most recently with RoboFlow, a startup pioneering the adoption of computer vision across industries. One thing I love about Kaylee is she's super passionate about inclusivity and equity in the tech industry. And I also am excited to tell you that she is the 2022 Young Alumni Entrepreneurial Leadership Award winner from the great University of Iowa. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kaylee Williams. Okay, so I, I, I think it should be pointed out that in addition to all those other things, um, Mike, there's, a, there's another uh, connection that you have to our guest today. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a connection. Um, Kaylee's actually my sister, so um, for those of you who know me, now you know that there's a lot of family members that are way better than me out there, and you can get to know them because they're way cooler. <laughs> No, you all laugh, but before the show, we were actually talking about this. During season one, we had two different guests on the Innovation Podcast, and I had no idea they were related to Mike until after we had recorded the episode. And they were like, oh, by the way, uh, Mike's my son. Oh, by the way, Mike's my brother. And I'm like, you're related to everybody, dude. I got a cool family. I got a cool you family. You have a very high-achieving family. I would be intimidated if I was oh, in your I, family. Completely, completely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um... Kaylee, you, like Mike was saying, you have an amazing background in terms of uh, basically just as an entrepreneur. And, um, and we were talking before, uh, you know, when we were talking about doing this episode, and we were just chatting online, and you were talking about how as an entrepreneur that uh, that's something that has always been really important to you is not being afraid to fail. Or, or knowing that failure is going to be a part of the journey whenever you try to start something new. And uh, here at NuboCo, uh, with the Iowa Startup Accelerator, and, uh, and, and we, uh, we have, um, you know, we, we've been supporting a lot of new businesses, and, and I know that that concept gets talked about a lot, that idea that, hey, you know, you're gonna make mistakes, and that's okay. But, um, but since I know that this is something that's very, uh, that's very important to you too. I just figured if you wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit, because there's just so many people who are afraid, I don't want to try this because I might screw it up, or I, I don't know, this might not work. Um, but, but can you talk a little bit about why you can't be afraid of that if you want a business to, to succeed? 
totally. Uh, thank you, and thanks for having me today. What an intro. Mike, thank you, big bro. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, actually. It's a great dovetail because you get an intro like that, and it's, you know, win, 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 and it all looks and sounds so great. But the reality is that it's not cool to be brave. And you have to be brave to start a company and to succeed. And failing is a part of succeeding. If you don't fail, you don't learn. And the learning curve, and frankly, I think the tenacity of entrepreneurs is actually ultimately what leads to their success. So be brave, stop trying to be cool, fail, and, uh, and you know, along the way, you're going to learn, and you're going to grow, and you're going to pivot. Um, and I'd be happy to share. I think we should celebrate failures. And actually, I think there's a culture in startups right now that's very focused on this idea of winning. And I've never loved, um, and I don't, I'm not trying to like uh, serve any shade on our talk about your win for the day or for the week. I, I think that's lovely. But in the context of startups and specifically in the context of sales, have you ever noticed how they talk about, uh, founders will talk about I won a deal or I lost a deal as if there's a winner and a loser. Well, frankly, in sales, there's winners who are the people who essentially buy the product because they've found the right solution. The winner is the company because they've built something that people want to buy. And ultimately, the winner is the industry in which that company exists because you're hopefully making it better. You're improving the world or you're solving the problem that you set out to solve. So I think um, I've never loved the dichotomy of winning and losing. Um, and that, I think, ties in nicely to the idea of failure because failing is how you succeed. So it's not about winning, it's about learning. Yeah, there was, a, there was a concept that Jennifer and I know, I know we got into this on at least one episode last season, which was the concept of failing forward. It's like a term for the idea that you really can only make progress or move forward by failing, because failing teaches you, oh, don't do that next time, or I'm gonna learn a new way to do this because that other way didn't work. Um, and I've always loved that concept. And I never even heard that term, I think, until I came to Nuboco. And I was like, that's actually kind of brilliant. And it's a really positive way to look at failure as opposed to a negative way. And, and, and kind of along those lines, um, like what's an example of something that's happened in your career that didn't go the way you wanted it to, but you learned something from it that has benefited you ever since? Yeah, you know, my biggest failures have been in managing people at Volunteer Local. It's a for-profit bootstrap startup company. I joined the founding team in 2012, and I ran that business for really the last five. I was the CEO, president of Volunteer Local, and early on I kind of went up from intern to community builder to director of business development, as you do in startups, right? You go from top to bottom, really bottom to top really quick. Um, but along the way, I think I hired over 10 people, and I think I lost seven or eight of them. And hey, you know, I'll be the first to say, I never received coaching in how to manage people. And many founders don't. And yet we know that teams and the individuals who make up that team are key to the success of the company. And so, you know, I tell every founder I work with now, get yourself an executive coach. Get yourself who can teach you how to manage your people, how to challenge them and inspire them and create a culture at your company where they're not just tolerated, they're celebrated and they feel that. 
And so I think my biggest failure, I can talk about some funny ones too. I do have some funny stories that I came prepared to share with you I today. love funny failure. Yeah, but the, but the real, real, like for me was, uh, you know, I failed forward hopefully, uh, incrementally in hiring people, failing to manage them correctly, not knowing my blind spots. And then I think by the end I got much better, but gosh, I still think about those first few hires to this day and how I wish I would have, you know, done things a little bit differently. Um, okay, I'll tell a funny story. Yeah. Uh, and those of you who know me might have heard this one before, so bear with me if you've already heard it. But uh, there are a few that I can that I can kind of call upon. But uh, the one that definitely stands out, I was pretty scrappy in the early days of Volunteer Local. It was a lot of cold calling and a lot of cold emailing, which isn't uh, of itself a lot of failures, right? You get a lot of people saying, don't ever call me again. How did you get this number? Or they hang up on you because they think you're a robot. I mean, it's very humbling to do the hard work of building your first year book of business. Anyway, there was a, a company called Spartan Race, and I wanted them to use Volunteer Local. We were a volunteer scheduling software for any event. Um, and they had a number of races throughout the country, and I thought, oh my gosh, if I could get in front of this volunteer director, his name was Nick Howell, then that would be a great win for the company. So I, I worked my way through their, you know, their first line of customer support, and I finally got someone to give me Nick's email. And I emailed Nick, and I said, if you'll give me 30 minutes of your time for a demo of my product, I will buy you a pizza. And he bit. He said, okay. So we did the demo. I thought it went well. And then uh, when I ordered him the pizza, I told the people at the pizza parlor to write on the inside of the box with a Sharpie, thanks for trying volunteer local, Nick, you know, like love Kaylee. And they delivered it. And this was the last email I ever got from Nick was about 30 minutes after they would have delivered the pizza. And it was just one sentence. And it said, how did you get my home address? <laughs> and it was really just, you know, it was a lot of internet sleuthing, but I think he expected me to send it to his office and I sent it to his wife and children at home. And I think it totally freaked him out. So. You can be a little overzealous. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Uh, you talk about how one of your big passions is inclusivity and equity, especially in the tech industry. Can you share a little bit about how that came about as one of your passions and, and maybe how it relates to, to failing forward a little bit? Yeah, actually, um, I thought that the keynote speaker at Entrefest put it really nicely when he compared a diverse team to the uh, biodiversity that we see in the most resilient ecosystems in nature. So he talked about you know, the rainforest and the desert and all the different uh, wildlife types and, and biological um, you know, plants that are there and how it can make you know, that ecosystem much more resilient. And that's true, you know, we're, we are also living beings and that's true of teams as well. Um, so I think it's not just the right thing to do, it's good for business. We know that companies that are more diverse, that have uh, diverse voices at the table, especially in leadership positions, we know that they're more profitable, that they generate more cash flow per employee. Um, but beyond that, I think at the end of the day, there are so many individuals who haven't been given the same opportunities that we've been given. And I look back on my own career and all the people who helped me along the way, all the doors that opened for me to get me to where I am and allowed me to fail so much and yet still be given the opportunity to build that business and then to go on to join RoboFlow and now to be in venture capital. I think that if we can give more people 
those opportunities, especially people who might not have otherwise been given a seat at the table so readily, then we are only doing a service for the state of Iowa and frankly for the tech industry as a whole. You know, one of the things that we've talked about at Delta V um, when we're training uh, software developers and, and engineers is the reason it's so important to have diverse voices there is because these people are building products that the rest of the, the world is using. And that if all the programmers who are building those products, if they're all like, uh, you know, mid-30s white guys, then they're not even thinking of, oh, you know what, there's a segment of the population that wants this kind of product that does this. And then if you have someone on the team who is from a community that typically doesn't have a voice at the table, and they come in and they're like, you know, we need to create this software, or the software needs to have this feature because I know so many people who would need this, that, um, that there's, a, there's a huge reason why that, that level of diversity is not only important for representation, but it's important for product development and for building things that are gonna serve more people in the world. Absolutely, and you think about the internet, it's the great equalizer, right? So I'm, I've been helping um, Nancy M over at Pi515, and if you're not familiar with Pi515, it is a wonderful nonprofit in Des Moines that teaches young students how to write code. Um, and she works primarily with students who are, you know, they're minorities or they're refugees coming into the state of Iowa. Um, and, and teaching them at a young age gets them engaged early on, breaks down some of those barriers that might, you know, they might exist um, when you're, you're that young and you're kind of going in and you're seeing, oh, you know, how do I build a business? How do I generate cash flow, you know, using the internet? Really, it's, it's not hard and it's something that they can certainly do. And she has a a summit that happens every summer for girls in entrepreneurship, and one of their girls um, built a profitable business. I don't remember what she was selling online, but she had a she set up her own shop, and it was really cool because I think she was 14 or 15. Um, and I think Nancy just announced that three or four of the students in her programs got accepted to Ivy League schools this fall. And so, you know, she's, she is doing the work of actively going down and saying, okay, we're going to get them when they're young, and we're going to expose them to entrepreneurship, and we're going to teach them how to write code. And I just think it's incredible, and I kind of wish that I had had that, right, when I was 14, instead of watching all that TV. <laughs> well, one thing I'm really excited about in that context and all, taking all this into, into play, everything you've learned through all this experience, you now get to lead a new venture fund, which is pretty exciting. Can you tell us about what that is exactly, what kind of role you'll be playing in that, and maybe how you're gonna be implementing some of these, these ideas into, into your new role? Yeah, thank you for that question too, because I am really excited about it. Um, let me rewind a little bit and take everyone back to the beginning. So go on a walk with me. Um, I stepped down from my position at Volunteer Local in early 2021, and I got recruited to work at RoboFlow. Um, show of hands, how many people in the room are familiar with RoboFlow? It's an AI company, venture-backed, yep. Um, they graduated from Y Combinator in 2020. Uh, they focus on computer vision, which is certainly going to be the future of our world. Um, and we can already see it all around us. It's, you know, it's kind of weaving its way into our lives in a lot of different, um, different okay, I'm areas. having to work really, really hard to stay calmly in my chair right now because I'm a total AI nerd. And as soon as you said there's an AI company in Des Moines, I was like, what, what? Why oh, yeah. am I not there right now? Like, oh my God, that's so cool. No, I, I, AI is fascinating. And uh, yeah, if you worked for, like, like, when this episode is over, we're gonna have to, you're gonna have to tell me stories from the trenches because I'm, sure. I'm so into this. I'm sorry, I just, I, 
Hey, I know. I had to excited. say something. Go right, go, on, go right ahead. <laughs> yes, it is amazing. Um, it's actually really fascinating. Uh, I got to write a blog for them on all the ways that computer vision is already in our lives, and it, it opened my eyes to all the different. I think as technology gets better and more intuitive, the less we notice its adoption in our everyday tools that we're using, right? It just becomes more seamless, and so we're not as aware of it. But you're interacting with computer vision models probably every day with the tech that you're using. Um, so I got recruited at RoboFlow, and, and really I was there to fill a pretty critical gap. Uh, they, you know, they didn't really have a sales structure in place. They needed the technology stack for sales. They needed to have a methodology by which they could demonstrate a fairly complex product to people who can use computer vision in really innovative ways to just transform their industries. So we're, you know, we're already pioneering um, something like we're creating a category, right, in the economy that doesn't really exist, and we're going after the people at these large corporations that want to take a bet and they want to try something different and see if it'll pay out for them. And so. Um, I came in, I learned computer vision, which was really fun. I love learning and it was fascinating. Um, and then I got to scale up that sales team. We hired a few people, we closed some deals, we built the flywheel, um, and they were able to go out and raise their Series A for $20 million. So they raised their Series A in 2021, um, and that really has helped them and catapulted their continued growth. After six months, I chose to walk away from RoboFlow. And it was for a number of reasons, I, but primarily I was burnt out. Um, and I think, you know, I have some thoughts around that that I'm happy to share, but I needed like a digital detox. So I got rid of my smartphone. I went to a flip phone, like basically a jitterbug. I was T9 texting my friends. Um, I closed my laptop. I just, I shut it all down and I bought a backpacking backpack and a tent and like hiking sticks, I don't know, walking sticks is what you call them, and boots. Anyway, I went and I hiked part of the Appalachian Trail because I was like, this is going to help me. I need to get back to nature and, you know, poop in the woods and do all the things that you're supposed to do when you're like a real backpacker. And you know what? I did not have an epiphany. I didn't. Uh, nothing really happened for me, although I did really enjoy it. Came back, and I've been taking a ton of time off, and I've been doing yoga and meditating and hanging out with my nieces and my nephew and just spending a ton of time with family. And it wasn't until I went to Entrefest that I realized what I want to do with my life, with the rest of my career. And what I want to do, I don't want to jump in on one startup. I want to help a lot of startups. And so I knew that I, would, I want to build my own fund. That's what I decided I wanted to do. And I have a lot of opinions, if you can't tell, on how companies should be built. I think we can do it differently. And I think that we can have better outcomes as a result. So, um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations. I floated this idea to a lot of my mentors, and they were like, cool, 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 love the enthusiasm. You don't know anything about venture capital. So I was like, all right, okay, I'll go get a job managing a fund. And it, was just, it just so happened that we received um, a $30 million fund from the federal government as a part of the American Rescue Plan Act. They were looking for an investment director to manage that money. Um, I went through the process, and I'm super excited. I got the green light to share with you all today um, to announce the fund. It's a co-investment fund, so I can play nice with every VC fund here in the state. We're going to invest in Iowa companies, in early stage Iowa companies. We're gonna take a lot of bets. And, and ultimately the goal is to help encourage more people to start up 
to build something and give it a shot, to roll the dice. And then we're gonna support them. Yep, thank you. Now, did you say this is, um, this is a matching fund? So is it like, is it, uh, like if, if, a, if a private individual invests, then it gets matched? Or, or can you explain exactly how the investment would work? Yeah, um, I can match up to two million. Um, I can't lead around, which is actually good for me because this is an opportunity for me to learn. I'll never draw up a term sheet, but I can certainly you know, participate in a round and I can review the terms of the term sheet and decide if it's something I want to go in on. I have an investment committee, so I have my own little system of checks and balances. And, um, and so the way that it'll work is we'll get, we'll get the money in tranches of 10 million at a time, the state will. Um, once we've committed eight of the 10 million, we'll get the next tranche. And so, you know, we've got some really ambitious goals about how quickly we want to get that capital deployed. Um, but at the end of the day, we're focused on early stage startup companies um, and really across industries. We're looking at biosciences, um, but we're also open to ed tech, health tech, insure tech. You know, it's, there's really not a lot of limitations around who we'll invest in. So it sounds like companies could come from our accelerator here, right here at Naboco. They could come from universities, I'm guessing, and some of the research they're doing. Yep, yep, we'll do some tech transfer. Certainly the accelerators, um, you know, looking at students, if, you know, if they're coming out of the hatchery and they want to go for it, uh, the only thing that they need is a lead investor, but that doesn't mean that I won't help connect them to a lead investor. So the cool thing about this fund, we can make deals that other funds can't or wouldn't make. We lower the risk for other funds to invest in, frankly, higher risk, earlier stage startup companies, and I can hopefully help to connect them to the investors if I see a great opportunity come through our doors. So this is a brand new program. If people hear about this and they want to know more about how they can apply or, or, or take advantage of the investment opportunity, uh, where do they go? How do they learn more? Yeah. Uh, TBD. <laughs> I haven't, uh, I haven't actually really started new. yet. Uh, super new, okay. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a, a website, so they'll be able to go online and fill out a form, or they can email me or call me or text me. Um, I anticipate that, you know, in this first year, it'll be a lot of raising awareness of the fund and a lot of, you know, generating deal flow and making sure people are aware that we exist and that we want to get this capital deployed in the state of Iowa. So we'll share... Uh, your contact information and all of that in the when this podcast goes up, uh, just so that people can follow up with you if they want more info. Um, we're kind of excited because normally we don't do this podcast in front of an audience. It's usually in a little studio. It's very dark, and we all just have a nice chat, and it's fun. But we have people here, so I'm kind of excited that we can actually have folks from the audience ask you a few questions. But before we get to that part, I have one last question, which is, so this is a... This is a fund that's going to be helping Iowa companies, uh, Iowa startups, and at Nuboco, that's a huge passion for us. I mean, almost everything that we do at Nuboco is built around the idea of helping Iowa businesses to survive and to grow and helping them find the resources that they need. Um, and that's, a, that's very, very important to us. Uh, I'm curious, from your perspective, why is it so important to support businesses here in Iowa and help them grow here in Iowa as opposed to them going off to Seattle or somewhere else to grow. Um, why is it important to grow them and keep them here? I mean, it's a no-brainer to build in Iowa. It's a no-brainer. Um, there are a few things that make that the case. So we'll start with like the logical ones. It's cheaper. Our cost of living is it's you know, very low, and we have a, it's a lovely community here. 
Um, there are a ton of resources, but the thing that I think is more qualitative is the civic pride. You know, even just the standing ovation coming onto the stage today and, and the way that we do that at Entrefest, there's this like underdog mentality in Iowa. And I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in the Tech Triangle in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, I've, I've traveled to other startup communities, you know, even overseas. I have never seen anything like what we have here and the kind of support that we provide to our founders here in the state. So uh, I, I also think that the pandemic changed the game for all of us in the middle because suddenly it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in the valley. You can still have investors from the valley. YC did their first fully remote class in 2020 and RoboFlow graduated from that class. You know, we've got another startup, uh, Nebulom, Clayton Mooney, who graduated from YC uh, just before that. It might have been 2019 or 2018, but he, you know, I, I know he helped RoboFlow a little bit with putting together their application. But that's what happens when you, when you get Iowa entrepreneurs together, we support one another. We are not a competitive group. We play well with each other. We want each other to succeed. And ultimately, I think it makes sense to build in the middle, geographically, economically, you know, it's, it's a truly a no-brainer to build here. Well, Kaylee, it's been wonderful having this conversation with you. And, um, and now we're going to turn it over to the folks in the audience to, to see what questions they have. But, um, but yeah, I, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us today. Thank you. That has been fantastic. I actually just uh, messaged one of my friends and was like, you need to get on this, on this live and listen to the podcast so <laughs> thanks Rena. yep no problem all right <laughs> questions not a single one hi name's Adnan um, just started an FP&A company for medium in medium small to medium sized companies but I currently work for a big tech company in out of the East Coast I was wondering how do you plan on ensuring that these companies the startups that you're gonna be supporting are gonna be managing their money correctly so you give them $2 million, then they go out and waste it yeah. or not have their strategic plans in place to make sure they manage it properly. Sure. Well, it starts at the application. We'll have a very specific use of funds that we want them to fill out. So tell us how you're going to use this money. And ideally, it's not just to keep the lights on, right? We want them to use the money to catapult their growth or you know, establish their foundational first-year book of business. My background is very heavily rooted in sales and team management, um, culture. You know, I think that because I have such a bent of having bootstrapped my own business, I have hopefully a lot of connections that I can make and a lot of uh, you know, knowledge to impart on these companies as it relates to using the money in a way that will ultimately produce more revenue for the business and ensure that the, the company has continuity. Uh, and beyond that, that they can scale and they can get to where they want to be. So there's certainly a post-investment portfolio, uh, really a resource pool that we are building out, and it will include mentors, a stable of mentors that they can work with, and it will include, because this is a public fund, some transparency around what they're doing with the money and how they're using it. And that's just going to be, again, a requirement of this being a public fund and not a private one. Okay, I'll ask the next question. Uh, you talked earlier about making sure that the startup founders have coaches or that they get coaches. Uh, what do you do to uh, help facilitate that? And second question, um, 
I talk a lot about core values and how it helps us to understand what our boundaries are and our priorities. So do you also, when you're evaluating those applications, take into consideration the person and their core values? Thank you, Rena. I do. I think that the team is the most important part of a startup company. And, and I say that because even if they never find product market fit, I shouldn't say never, even if they don't find product market fit in the beginning, the right team will pivot. The right team will be resilient. They will learn and they will grow. And so I certainly look at the individuals and I try to establish or at least get an idea of their grit. Um, I don't know if any of you follow Angela Duckworth or if you've read her book about grit. Grit matters and you can build grit. It's not something that you're born with. You can earn grit. And grit is so important in startups because you know, we joked earlier about cold calling and how it's like, you know, it's a million little paper cuts every time you do a cold call and you get hung up on or yelled at, um, you know, or called kid when you're trying to close a deal. But at the end of the day, how you respond to those setbacks is the determinant of whether or not you will be a successful founder and your company will grow. Some will swim and some will sink. So I look, I certainly would look at their core values and uh, connecting them to coaches. I think, you know, the first thing to ask is, are you coachable? Are you willing to be coached? That's sort of, in my mind, that's kind of tier one. If they're willing to be coached and I can get that feel like, yes, they are willing to do this, then I would connect them to individuals who offer coaching services. And we would find a way to make that work uh, financially for the founders, either it's, you know, earmarked as part of the money that we give to them, or they, uh, you know, they, they work with volunteer mentors. You know, all of my mentors going through Volunteer Local and then with RoboFlow, they all kind of gave their time to meet with me. And, you know, there was a lot of tears sometimes and there was a lot of a lot of difficult conversations that had to be had where they held up that mirror and said, you know, why do you think you lost this employee? And I think that that, that is where the real growth occurs. So matching with coaches, absolutely ensuring that they're willing to be coached is probably the, the first thing we would want to get through. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. I love the fact that um, Entrefest is still having an impact in your life. I assume that this last one wasn't your first one. So the thought that you're coming back and still getting tons of value out of it is awesome. Um, when you talk about being a follow-on investor, um, not a lead investor, I'm kind of curious if you can give some advice to founders on how to recruit their lead investor. Because in my history, working with startups, getting that lead investor is actually really, really hard. So I thought that you would help them connect, but kind of curious, what guidance would you give a founder on how to find that lead investor? Thank you for that. I actually... Um it's, we're, we're in kind of a unique position. It's a, a, the co-investment fund, um, as David indicated, you know, we need to have another investor who's leading and putting together the term sheet. And so one of the cool things about how this could work, and we have a lot to learn, we haven't launched it yet, but um, you know, we could have companies coming to us that don't yet have a lead investor, and I'm okay with that. We will do our due diligence, um, and we will help them to kind of put together you know, these are, these are your, this is your value proposition. This is the problem you solve. This is how you're gonna use the money. Like in doing that, in going through that process together, I think that it's inevitable that we're gonna tighten the shoelaces 
on that pitch. And so by the time that I make a recommendation or an introduction, I should say, to another investor, and one of the cool things about this fund, the lead investor doesn't have to be an Iowa VC. So think about that for a minute. We could have companies that come to the co-investment fund. I'm helping them to kind of tell their story in a, in a tight way that's compelling. And then maybe we reach out to you know, high alpha ventures in Indianapolis to go in on it with us. Or we reach out to the hustle fund or generator. You know, We go up to Minneapolis and say, hey, we've got a great deal here. It's a really good Iowa company. We already did the due diligence. We're a soft commit for 500,000. That's very compelling for another VC fund. And it, again, it lowers the risk for them to go in on that startup as well. So this is a, a really a net positive. And I think that in doing the due diligence, hopefully with our team, we are preparing these founders to tell a better story, a more attractive story to other funds that will need to be the leads. This is a fascinating presentation. Thank you for uh, taking time. Now, can nonprofits qualify for the fund? I don't know. I should. I'm sorry. Probably, I would think. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know. Yeah. I don't technically start until the 15th, so, I, you know. <laughs> That's a great question, though. I've worked for nonprofits pretty much my whole career, and there have been a lot of really cool ventures that those nonprofits have undertaken. Uh, whether it's performing arts organizations that are like investing in a facility or just in order to make their product better, um, I certainly hope that uh, that that will be available to nonprofits because that would be hugely helpful for them to grow and to improve their product. So um, I mean, you don't know yet, but I'm I'm putting in I'm putting in a word of support for that. Cool. Thank you, and thank you for the question. Well, I hope to have a lot more information um, out and available to the public. I also hope to build in public. I'd like to make everything that we do very transparent um, so that founders can find it and people who might be curious and want to share it with other founders can find it as well and know exactly what to expect when they reach out to me in terms of who, what she's going to ask and what are the things that we need to make sure that we're checking the boxes on in order to get this money. Over here. Hey. <laughs> um, so my name is Anthony. I'm with NubroCo. I'm the community uh, engagement manager. I just have a quick curious question. So even though you'll have the mentors and everything trying to help out the businesses and you grant them two million or so dollars, you know, um, what if they fail and how and what's the process of them paying you all back and all that good stuff? Hey, you know, I'm a big fan of failure. I love the F word. Um, I anticipate that some of our portfolio companies will fail. I anticipate that that will happen. Here's where we're going to be different. I want to keep the founders in my pocket because I think that the people who fail are super valuable. They've learned something. Imagine the grit that you earn by failing. You started a company, you raised money, and you failed. I want that person to start again. So my, you know, my thesis behind this is let's keep our founders close. Let's take really good care of our founders. Let's make sure that they're supported. Let's mitigate our risk as a fund by ensuring that they don't fail, right? We try to connect them with the resources and with the people that they'll need to be successful. Um, but at the end of the day, if they do fail, 
that's okay. Um, they'll never have to pay us back. You know, we're, we're a true VC fund, so we, we make the bet, and hopefully we get a return on that investment. But we're unique in that because we're a public fund, we're also measuring outcomes that are more in, like, the economic development space. So we want to know how many jobs were created in Iowa, and we want to know how much uh, did these companies pay in taxes. And, uh, you know, what's the median salary of the employees who work at our portfolio companies compared to the industry? And what we want to see is that we are, you know, again and again, we're above that benchmark. So if they fail, that's okay. I keep them close and we'll support them through that. And I would encourage them to take a little time off, maybe go hike on the Appalachian <laughs> Trail and then get back to work. We have time for one more question, if anybody has one. Nope. And I got a quick one if nobody else does. Go for it. So Kaylee, you know one of my big passions is rural economic development and, and rural startups. Um, historically, I think Iowa has an incredible history of startups in rural spaces. In recent years, that's tapered off. And the focus of a lot of our uh, accelerators, a lot of our venture funds have been focused specifically on urban areas where you have more capacity, you have more talent, all that. This is a state fund, a state-funded piece. Has there been any discussion or any mandates in it to get outside of our more metro areas in the state of Iowa into our rural communities to find those entrepreneurs to build some companies rural? Totally, I intend to cast a very wide net. Uh, because I, again, you know, I think that building up deal flow in the first year, it's like pushing a boulder. It's gonna be tough to get it going, but once we've got the flywheel, I think that it'll be much easier going forward. But um, I intend to actually go physically to these places, shake some hands, kiss some babies, let them know that we exist and we are here to support you and to fund you. And I think that, you know, when we talk about, most of my experience has been urban. I mean, I went to the University of Iowa. I grew up in Cedar Falls. My parents worked for you and I. Um, you know, I, I now live in Des Moines, which of course is the capital city of Iowa. And so I've, I've not ever had that rural experience, but when you look at the, uh, the services and the resources that we provide to these smaller towns, there's a very clear gap. But there's a ton of talent in those small towns, and it's a missed opportunity if we don't try to tap into you know, those communities and support and cultivate entrepreneurship there. So, you know, I, I intend to make sure that as we do our deal flow, that we're, we're working hard and being intentional about getting out to the parts of the state that maybe don't often receive um, the kind of resources that we're used to in Des Moines. Well, Kaylee, we cannot thank you enough for being here today. This has been a great conversation, and we're super excited for your new opportunity. And, uh, and hopefully, once you've been on the job for a while, we can have you come back on the podcast and talk in a little more detail about, uh, about, the, about the Venture Fund and what's going on. And, um, but for now, it just sounds like a really exciting opportunity that you're just about to embark on. So thank you for coming on the Iowa Innovation Podcast and sharing it with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm always happy to come back and give an update. Um, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Well, thank you so much to our guest, Kaylee, for coming on the show. And uh, remember, we don't have contact info for Kaylee yet because her position is still fairly new. But as soon as we have it, we will add it to the episode description. So if you have any questions that uh, you want to ask her, you'll be able to check in with her directly. And if you love the show, please subscribe and leave a review. And you can also visit our blog, uh, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways from this episode summarized and detailed. 
And this podcast was produced and distributed by LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com. And finally, we would really love it if you'd just think about making a donation to NuboCo because your contributions to our nonprofit help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state of Iowa. In fact, uh, my, my guest host today can certainly speak to how much of an impact donors and sponsors really make on the mission that NuboCo has. For sure. And, and let's be clear, we have people like Kaylee across our state because of the work NuboCo is doing and because of our incredible sponsors that make it happen. So, hey, uh, thanks again to my co-host for being here. Mike, did you uh, did you have a good time today? It was a blast. This is always a blast. Our One Million Cups events are always a blast in Cedar Rapids, and uh, I'm excited to do this again someday. I know this is a one-time gig as you rotate co-hosts. This and... is totally not a one-time gig. Oh, no, I, I, get... I am certain <laughs> that you will be back with us again. And, uh, and yeah, this, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, thank you so much for continuing to bring family members to our podcast because uh, they've been great guests. Uh, seriously, um, it's been really, really fun, and I'm glad we finally got to get you on here. I mean, you've had your own podcast for a long time, uh, so so I kind of feel like we're, we're borrowing you from another team to come and play with us for a little bit. Well, it's nice to be here in the studios. By the way, a shout out to LAS. This is an incredible studio. They are an incredible company that's growing and becoming a, a very big force in, in podcast production here in Eastern Iowa. Yeah, the truth is, I mean, as I look back, you know, we're starting season two now. Uh, we grew so much throughout season one as we were kind of figuring out how the show worked. And LAS played a huge part in that, not only in helping us to kind of figure out the direction of the show, but also knowing that that all the technical elements were going to be taken care of and handled yeah. really well. I mean, that takes a lot of pressure off. When you don't have to worry about all of that, you can just focus on the people that you're talking to and producing the best conversations you can, which I feel like we've really been able to do uh, completely because of LAS. So we're really, really glad that uh, we're teamed up with them. For sure. So, uh... <laughs> that was, that was them in the background. Out. If you yeah. heard that, that was our producer giving us a shout out in the background. So uh, thank you, Logan. Uh, and so, yeah, this this wraps up another episode, but uh, please be back with us next week. We've got such a great season planned, and uh, we, we've, we're continuing to fill out the guest roster for this season, and there's some really cool names on here. And I think we're going to have some fantastic conversations about innovation, about the different ways people are doing things throughout the state, and we're hitting a wide variety of topics. So, uh, yeah, stay with us, and we're really excited to see what comes next. But thank you so much for being here, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. This is just going to go on. <laughs> <laughs>